0: Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ.
1: July 7th is the anniversary of the date Bob and I remarried. I will never forget that day, nor will you forget the day your spouse comes home. If you are listening to this podcast on the release day, That special day is today. That day, I saw over two years of prayers getting answered. I saw God do the miracle in Bob's life that I had been praying for. I want you to hear a special message that we delivered at our home church over 20 years ago. We stood side by side in the church where my husband promised he would never step foot in again and shared the wonderful ways God had transformed our family. If you have never heard our whole story before, I hope you will listen and know that what God did for us, He can do for your family as well.
0: We're honored to be here to share with you our testimony. We're coming to share not the badness of Bob, you're going to hear some of that, but we're coming to share the goodness of God to give you hope for whatever situation you're in that God can provide a way.
2: Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that we can share our testimony. Lord, back 13, 14 years ago, I had nothing to share but how bad our marriage was and how I was failing as a wife and how that our marriage was nothing that I thought it would ever be. And Lord, I pray that tonight that someone might be able to give hope encouragement through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ of what he can do if we allow him to touch us. Lord, I pray that you will just touch and give hope and encouragement to people who have given up on their spouse and given up on God. Lord, I pray that you will touch these people who have listened to the world and to separation and divorce and now will believe in the beginning of reconciliation, and restoration of rebuilding their marriage on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would speak through Bob and I tonight. We ask that you would plead the blood of Jesus over us. We ask that you would just anoint Bob and I from the top of our heads to the bottom of our toes. We pray that we would speak scriptures and illustrations that would only come from you, Lord. Lord, we just want to share how great you are and how mighty you are. And Lord, we just thank you that we have a testimony to share, even through all the circumstances we've been through, that you can get the glory and honor for everything you've done in our lives, and we give you the praise. We pray that you will just touch this with someone, give somebody hope and encouragement, and we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: I want to call your attention to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Now don't turn us off and say, oh, I've heard that before. It's a parable of the prodigal son. You're going to hear it a different way tonight. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. As we read this now, compare a man who leaves his marriage with a man who leaves his father, as Jesus illustrated. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant, distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Does that sound familiar? Could that be like a husband or a wife? After he had spent everything there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating but no one there gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, and that's what we're praying for everyone, who has a prodigal spouse. When he finally came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Verse 24, For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate.
1: The prodigal son,
2: that is where the Lord touched me back many years ago when after I gave up on my spouse and divorced him, yes, I divorced my husband because, and it wasn't because I wasn't a Christian, because I went to counselors, I went to my pastors, and I told them the circumstances, I told them the garbage, I told them what had happened in our life and what was going on with adultery, unfaithfulness, abuse, physical, verbal. Oh, I told him everything. And he just sat there. And he wanted out of the house. He had someone else. He had many acquaintances. And he didn't want the responsibility of a home, the bills, a wife, children. It was fun outside. And so the pastor and all the counselors said, leave, you have the escape clause. And I was so hurt. I was so wounded. I was dying inside that I said, there is nothing else I can do. See, we had not been through this just once. Bob had, since the very beginning of our marriage, we had had problems almost every year with problems of marriage, unfaithfulness. But it came to the point that I really realized that there was circumstances that he was never, never gonna change. Oh, he accepted the Lord. We even got a call on your life. And things did change. God touched him and he was going to become a pastor but the enemy came in and I say that because I did not know about the enemy and I say that to you now there is somebody that is listening to this tape that does not know that the enemy will come to kill steal and destroy. So what we want to do is give you hope and encouragement tonight. To believe that with God, nothing is impossible. I divorced my husband.
0: Well, before you divorce me, you have to marry me. Okay. <laughs> so in 1965, I had finished Martial Science College. And come was living at home, working on my way to becoming a funeral director. I continued to hear from my parents about this nice little Warwick girl. Her dad and my dad worked together, and she didn't have a boyfriend, and our parents thought this would be perfect. Well, arranged weddings don't happen too often the right way. So I resisted hearing about the nice little Warwick girl. Went to a band concert at Christmas time in 1965. The seat my parents had saved for me just happened to be next to the nice little Warwick girl, and we met that night. I was so impressed with her that I called and asked her out six weeks later.
2: And then we dated and dated and talked and talked, and, and we got married.
0: We try to answer all the questions in here that people are answering. Someone's going to say, Were you a Christian? Well, I was a member of a church I joined when I was fifteen. I had to say three I do's and one I will when I went I do, I do, I do, and I will. I don't remember the questions, but those were the answers. So if any of those you think made me a Christian, I was a Christian, but actually I wasn't. Let's jump ahead to nineteen seventy four. We had a we were going to the same three I do's and a will church. And we'd been married there, and we sensed that something wasn't right. You know, that hunger in your life when you are you need more of the Lord than what you have, and you know there's something you need. A man came knocking on our door one Saturday morning. He was a pastor of a Baptist church in our neighborhood where we had moved. He was looking for bus kids who didn't even live there anymore. So this was not a bus worker. This was the pastor. He invited us to his church, and we went the next day. We'd been talking that morning, where are we going to church tomorrow? We'd looked through the paper, and nothing You know how you all been there so the following morning we went to the church and three weeks later we'd been saved and we were baptized together by that same pastor
2: and that was the beginning of our new life and we grew as Christians and we were um, just loving the Lord following the Lord teaching our children Um, our little ones I had we had uh, Tim who was four years old and a little baby uh, girl, and we started serving the Lord with gladness. And then my husband, uh, a few months later, was called into the ministry.
0: So we sold everything, lock, stock, and barrel, put everything we had in the back of a a rental truck and moved to Graceful, Florida, way up in the panhandle, where I went to Bible college. We did not know. They, They cautioned us in orientation. They said, just when you think everything is going to be all set, there's some little blonde they're talking to preacher boys there's some little blonde going to come across your path and i'm sitting in the balcony in that chapel service going that wouldn't be so bad i was that deceived we didn't know that satan was out to kill us to destroy our marriage the way he attacked us wasn't a little blonde but it was with charlene's health
2: after a period of time i kept getting sicker and sicker and feeling worse and worse and had a knot on my neck and they thought i had cancer We Mm -hmm. were really growing in the Lord at that time. Bob had a lot of baggage I did not know about at that time, and I didn't know the enemy was going to bring up uh, his past and bring him into a temptation of things that he had exposed himself to in his uh, childhood and in his teenage years and into his adulthood. And that is where that we do not realize what our spouses have been involved in and what maybe we were involved in. Uh, we need to pray that when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ that he removes all of our past and we break all of the ties that go on. Regardless of your spouse's past, regardless of your past, regardless of the sins, Jesus Christ can set you free from all Amen. sin. And we often have the exception clause that if you're an alcoholic or if you've been on drugs, you can never be set free. And that's a lie from the enemy. Because I can tell you that pornography or immorality, anything that we've exposed ourselves to, we made a covenant. And we've allowed that the world has said that marriage can be disposable. It can be made into a second marriage and a third marriage and a fourth marriage and but that's not what God says so that day when they said I thought I had cancer we had to pray about it and I'm not sure God sent us home but we went home
0: I thought God needs good laymen as much as he needs poor preachers so we came home so that I could take care of my wife's needs I could be the breadwinner again I finished up my education through seminary extension she had surgery praise the Lord it was Uh, benign. There was nothing to it. Eleven years later that surgery turned out to be able to diagnose another problem that she had so really it was a lifesaver in itself probably.
2: Right. The whole thing is God had given us assignment to be stewards and be witnesses and to serve Him for the rest of our life.
0: Well we went back and forth. Every June it seemed like I would move out. Sometimes for a few weeks but we, uh, we had a rough time. By this time we had three children But enough was enough, so in 1985, Charlene says, this is it, you're out, I'm filing for divorce. And I said, thank you, that's what I've been wanting. Which I, looking back, I can't tell you that it was, I can't tell you it wasn't. At the time, it looked like the right thing to do. If you don't get along, if your car doesn't run, and keeps breaking down on you, what do you do? You replace it. So I thought marriages are kind of like automobiles, I'll just get rid of her and get another one, things would be happy ever after.
2: Fortunately, the Lord heard my heart. And I want to tell you that I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior back when I was 15 years old when a a young teenager had taken me to his family's church when I visited my grandparents. And I believe that from that moment on, the Lord had me in his hand, and he never let me go. When I was wounded and rejected and bruised and beaten down to where there was nothing left to me, I cried out, and I thought that divorce was the answer for our situation, for unfaithfulness. And when I took the survey and I took everybody's opinion, they totally agreed with me. So when I divorced my husband through the holidays and I got divorced officially and finally in January, I thought the pain of divorce would go away. I thought the pain and the rejection and all the feelings that you have when you go through a divorce, it would be over. And I would feel a peace that's beyond
0: understanding. Well,
2: I did not get that. I missed my husband. I loved my husband. I hated the sin.
0: I missed my wife also, but I wouldn't tell you that. I hated the sin, I
2: hated his actions, but I loved him. We bore three children, and they needed their father. And I was trying to be a mother and a father, trying to raise the children, work a full-time job and do all that every other single parent is doing right now. I'm no different. But I did do one other thing. We went to a church, a different church at that time, and they had an altar in the front of their church. And I really thought that I was going to die of a broken heart, I cannot tell you the pain that I had in my heart. I'll you do don't that. have
0: to. Some of the people because who are listening know the pain. most of you
2: know the pain. The thing that touched me was that I went to the Lord in a way that I had never gone to him before, and I said, Lord, I need help. I need help more now because, see, I have failed the most important thing I wanted to do in my entire life, and that was to be a good wife. And I failed. I failed because my husband has left me. He's chosen someone else in place of me. And obviously I failed. But the Lord was gracious and he loved me and I just kept going to the altar every week. Some of the people that we know well said they thought I had cancer or something that because I would just go to the altar and wail and cry and and just go back and, and no one would ever come to me and really find out what was going on. They knew Bob wasn't there so they just didn't know all the details. Most of us really don't want to know the details of somebody else's pain and hurt. We don't have any answers. So what are we going to say to that person? And I want us to know more than anything else that marriage is not a contract. It is something that you cannot break and decide you want to get out of it when you want to get out of it. It is a covenant. It is a covenant between you God and your spouse, and you said until death do us part at the time you got married, and I dare say the day you married your spouse, you did not tell your mother and father and that entire church or wherever you went that you were planning on divorcing your spouse 2, three, four, five, 10, 15, 20 years later. You planned that to be for life. You even, some of you and I, have ch- had children to even make the marriage and to even be more Blessed then, and God blesses us with our children. And we did not plan on raising children by ourselves. God created male and then female. And I want us to know why we have to believe in the sanctity of marriage. Because see, I went to counselors. I went to Christian counselors. But they forgot to do one thing. They forgot to open up the Bible. And I want us to have us remember that we got to get back to the basics. we got to go back to the Word of God. And we have to remember what God says. It doesn't matter what my pastor says. It doesn't matter what the counselors say. It matters what God says for you. And I want you to remember that with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing's too hard. I don't care if your spouse is an alcoholic. He's a drug addict, if he's an abuser, if he is unfaithful, or whatever he could have done or she could have done. And let me tell you, praise God, we've got men in this room because women are leaving men just as much. But it says in Genesis, Genesis 2, verse 15 it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, "You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die." The Lord God said, "It is not good for the man to be alone, and I will make a helper suitable suitable for him. Women, we are to be the helper, helpmate for our spouses." But for Adam, it says in verse 20, found no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, Now this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. There's number one problem that we often have is that they need to leave their father and mother and we need to leave our parents, also women, and be united to his wife and they will be one flesh. The reason that I was hurting, the reason you're hurting, the reason you have that pain in your heart and why you're trying to do something is you're trying to separate what God has joined together. What God has joined together, you're trying to separate, and it will never separate cleanly. It will never separate easily. It's going to splinter. It's going to break. It's going to crack. It will never separate easily, and you're trying to do something. Go to Matthew 19. It says, Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother here it is again, and be united to his wife. And the two become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man divorce his wife, a certificate of divorce, and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another commits adultery. And there was my escape clause. That was how come I divorced my husband. But I forgot, and I didn't realize It was due to my hardness of heart. And see, I had become so angry and so fed up with all the circumstances that it was due to my hardness of heart. I didn't know the pain would continue. Bob continued to go on to his lifestyle. We separated our children, did our every other weekend, and did all of that type of situation. But as it continued, the Lord touched me in a way that only... I can only pray that it will happen to every person in this entire congregation, this entire world, is that the Lord touched me at a service where the Downings, Paul and Ann Downing, came and spoke at our church, and they spoke at a morning service, and then they spoke in an evening service. And they tempted us to bring back more people at the evening service.
0: So guess who she thought she should call and bring back with her?
2: My husband, who was my ex-husband at that time, they said, bring somebody back because we're going to share how our marriage was restored. And when I heard about that their marriage was restored, who would I not naturally think of inviting was my spouse. And so I just called up that afternoon. It had been several weeks and months since Bob had been home and I had had a lot of time with the Lord at the altar and at home. And I realized the Lord showed me my areas of my failures as a wife. Now, at the time I divorced my husband, I had his list memorized. But I did not have my list memorized. In fact, I did not have a list. I want to tell you, I was a saint putting up with what he was giving me. So I thought, and I know you can all relate because you've all been there. Many people that are going through marriage problems... There is one person that is really causing maybe more disruption than another, but as the bottom line ended, the Lord had touched my heart and showed me my areas, and He said, "I want you to change, regardless of whether Bob ever comes home. I need you to change." So when I called Bob up that afternoon, I said, "You know what? I've made a big mess of our marriage. I know I did my part, and I failed you as a wife." And, and that I said, "Uh huh." And I said, I want you to forgive me for my part of the failure of my marriage. I didn't listen to you. And let me tell you, that
0: blew me away because I'd been the scoundrel in this thing. And she's calling me up and saying, "Will you forgive me. And I'm going, woman, what's wrong with you?
2: So that day was the beginning of being obedient to doing what the Lord wanted me to do. And that day, I did not know it was the beginning of a journey that the Lord had assigned me and it's assigned me to do for the rest of my life, and that is to believe in the sanctity of marriage—not just for our family, but for the world. We have a divorce that has gone rampant, not only in the United States but throughout the world, and we hurt for all the people. You know what? It doesn't matter what language you speak; the pain is the same. So anyhow, that night we had heard a testimony, Ann and um, Paul Downey saying. They shared their testimony, but and did something that I had not considered through all the troubles that I had was that she fasted and prayed for her husband. So much so that she fasted and prayed and would lay flat and pray in the middle of the night for her husband when her husband was out drinking and was not coming home. And the Lord just tapped at my shoulder and he says, you haven't done that. How long do you pray for your spouse every day? And it kept convicting me that night that I had not done all that I could have done. So that end of service came and they said, if you would like to recommit your marriage, or if you'd like to husbands and wives come up and, you know, pray a prayer and, and say, you know, we're gonna forgive and forget and, and leave the past here at the altar, come on forward. Well that left me in a very bad situation because I did not have a spouse there. But then, at the end, they after the spouses had all come up and they said, Now, there are some other people that have not been so lucky. The enemy has come in and destroyed their marriage and they do not have a spouse anymore. Well, we believe that God can rebuild and restore a marriage. And that was me, because that's what I thought. And I had never heard about reconciliation and restoration and rebuilding. I don't know where I'd been, but I was deaf for a period of time in my life that I didn't know about it. I couldn't hear it. And so that night I went to the altar and I prayed and I asked God if He could do anything to restore our marriage, if He could do anything to change Bob, and I was still doubtful. I still doubted what God could do. Um, I was open to His will and His way in my life and Bob's life and our children's life. I believed with all my heart that God needed to bring my husband home and to be for Bob to be the father to his children. That was ones that were really being wounded and hurt. So that night was the beginning of our new
0: experience. That night was the beginning of my being miserable as God worked on me and answered her prayers. I cannot recall what happened that night. I do recall the girlfriend and I were going to church and I don't want to disclose a lot of that, but on the way across the street, I told her that Charlene called me this afternoon and she froze in her tracks. What did she want? I said she wanted me to go to church with her to hear about somebody who restores marriages.
2: But that was the beginning of a journey that was like a Noah, if I can use that as an example tonight. Then I believe God started knocking at my heart's door like God knocked at Noah's door and said, I want you to do something. I want you to build an ark for your family. Because see, there's a storm that is coming and I want you to prepare for your family. We've already had the storm hit our home, but I didn't know that there would be other storms coming in our lives, and he wanted me to build an ark to save our family and for other families. I'm not gonna tell you it was easy. I wanna tell you that my relationship with my Lord was worth every minute of months and days, weeks, hours, and years that my husband was gone. It was worth it. To have the relationship that I have with my Lord Jesus Christ today. I hope that any person that has marriage problems, I hope that anybody that has never met their Lord and accepted Him as a Lord and Savior, before you do anything else, because you first need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to know Him personally. You need to ask Him for forgiveness of your sins. So right now, I pray that if there's anyone that has not prayed, and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that you will say Lord, I don't know you the way Charlene's talking about you. I ask you right now to forgive me of my sins. Lord I pray that you will talk to anyone that has not made a commitment that they truly will cry out and say Lord I want that type of relationship. I want to hear you I want to talk to you like like Charlene talks to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that tonight, that this person will confess their sins and ask that all one of their sins would be removed and forgiven and forgotten and thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and all unrighteousness. Lord, I pray that you will touch these people who are hearing this, that may not know you, and then as they accept you as Savior, that they will surrender their life to you that they will say, not my will, but thy will be done in my life. And Lord, I pray that you will touch this person that will give them hope and encouragement. That God can do anything in their life. They can straighten out anything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We talked about the divorce and we talked about building an ark. I want to share Jeremiah 29. It says, I come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to you. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And that's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven
0: through 13. I want to tell you that what you see in this gal is what you get. She is the same if you were to call her at 2 o'clock in the morning. Hopefully you won't. But if you were to call her, you would see the same thing. Previously, I knew where all her buttons were. And I used to push them. When I wanted to leave the house, I would push the button, and she would say, get out of here. I said, say, thank you. <laughs> but what you see now, God has done a work in her, continues to do a work that, can I say, I, I don't envy you. But I admire you. <laughs> I love you. She has not always been that way. Prior to taking the stand, her stand for restoration of marriage, there was a Saturday when she literally chased another woman and I in the car, and she was going to kill us when she caught us. (laughs) So that That was then, then, and this is now. (laughs) She's become a beautiful woman in Christ, and I am so glad that I love her enough to have married her twice.
2: (laughs) The Lord, through our journey that I chose to take, and everyone that ever follows the Lord Jesus Christ has a call. I believe that God has a call for every one of us, and he has a plan for you and a challenge for you. And you have to decide if you want to follow it his way or your way. Psalm 25 says, verse 4, Show me your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths, guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. And I pray that everyone that listens to this, that will truly decide that God's way is the only way you want to follow. Because if you choose to follow the other way, your way, sooner or later, God is going to get your attention because you were created by God. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. And he died on the cross for you and your family, and your loved ones. But we need to surrender our lives to him. And so what we're saying is that we need to say, okay, Lord, If my marriage is bad, or if my loved one is not born again and he doesn't know the Lord, or she doesn't know the Lord, what do I do now? Well, you pray because I did not know the power of prayer. And maybe you all should consider journaling in some part of your lifetime because if you would journal your experiences in your Christian walk, you're going to find out that at that altar that night, I became dedicated to the Lord in a new way that I said, okay, Lord, thy will be done. You take me over and let me, I will follow you for the first time. I gave up the driver's seat of, of my car and my life that night. It says in James 5, 519, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah with a man just like us, he earnestly prayed that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. My brother, if any one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the air of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sin. That night, I started a stand. It was a stand to believe, to stand for God's best in my life. God's best was for me to be married to my one flesh husband, my mate. And even though I had made a mess of it, and my husband made a big mess of it, I decided to pray that God would fix it all back again. And everybody at my church and many other families and friends thought I had taken a ditzy pill and a crazy <laughs> pill and a you're not coping pill.
0: You see, I had done the right thing because I went to a big church and I enrolled in their divorce recovery class and before I became a divorce recovery graduate, I met another woman and they started talking about a in your next relationship and I was all set. I, she was out of my way and this is going to be a happy marriage with this other person. But the
2: Lord and I started to have a relationship and a time together every day I read the Bible. Now I had been a Christian, i have been born again, I was active in a church, but I did not know the Bible like I know the Bible now. And I challenge you all to read the Bible daily. And I get to meddling every week when we teach at our Bible study. But you know, we say, how much have you read the newspaper? How much TV did you uh, watch this past week? And how many books have you read? Now, let me ask you, how much of the Bible did you read this past week? And I meddle a little bit. But the reason I do that is that you've got to have the Word in your heart and you've got to stand on the promises of God. God is sent a love letter to us Christians and he has given us the word and the promises of God and when Noah and Abraham and Sarah and all of these people started to walk with God they were listening and they were hearing talking with God and I wanted that so badly see I had made the mess of my life and my husband was told me to go take a hike and I'm never 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 coming home what part of this word never do you not understand I am never coming back and I said I believe that God wants you to come home and be the head of this house and you need to live a Christ-like life. And if he will just straighten out, God will just, it'll all just turn out all right. You know, and I thought, but boy, you know, he's not living a straight life now. And I, I just didn't know what to do, but God did. And when I turned over and I started looking to God, I cried out to him. And I know maybe you've never done anything but like this, but I said, Lord, I'm deaf. I can't hear you. I can't see you. And i turn on the TV and everybody saying, and God said this. And God told me that. And I said, well, I wish he'd talk a little bit louder so I could hear him. And I just cried out. And I said, Lord, I want to hear you. Speak to me. Show me. Come be visible. I don't care what you got to do, but help me. I was desperate. Do you remember? I was the woman that was going every week to the altar crying and pleading and crying at home. And, and I was not handling this divorce well. And I was an office manager at of the office and I had a large responsibility, but I had failed my most important task that I wanted to complete. My task to be a wife and a, and to raise a home and have grandchildren with a father and a grandfather. As it turned out, God, one day I opened up the Bible. All of a sudden I just cried out and I said, Lord, I need to hear you. I want to believe and know that you are alive and that you can speak to me and, and show me what, I, what I'm to do. And should I just give up on this? Should I pretend that Ann Downing's marriage was lucky and she was lucky and I'm not going to be lucky and this is the way it is, you know, I failed. And when I first cried out that one day, that final day, all of a sudden my Bible opened up to Mark 10:27. it says, with man this is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. And that was the first sign of a hope of light. And I said, Lord, how can it be? How is this going to happen? And on the same page, just over on the other side, it says, have faith in God. Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God. And I saw that, and it just was like a flashing light. You got to have faith in God. Well, see, I'd given up on God. God showed me that I was the one that was sinning. I had failed God because I gave up on his power. I didn't believe in the power that he had, that he could have changed, Bob. He could change your circumstances. I gave up on him. And it says in Mark 11, 22, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea. Now, I want to tell you my mountain, I had a mountain of divorce. You may have a mountain of separation. You may have a mountain of finances. And that mountain I had, I went and bought a pitcher and I put it over my bed. And I said, okay, Lord, you're going to have to remove the mountain. And I can tell you that from that day on, God started slicing my mountain of divorce on the other side by warrior angels. And all of a sudden, suddenly, two and a half years later, Bob came home and we got remarried. But it was a journey of two and a half years of studying the scriptures and I can tell you I can show you my Bible today that I've got dates and I've got situations that mean very special scriptures that God gave me. One thing to make certain that everybody knows that your enemy is not your spouse. The enemy is not your your prodigal child that's run away from home. The enemy is our struggle is not against flesh and blood in Ephesians 6:10, it says finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand against the devil's
0: schemes you're going to ask what was happening to me at this time I was in church every Sunday living a sinful life the pastor would talk about a preach about adultery and I would say way to go pastor you tell those singles about it but I've been married before I'm getting married again this stuff doesn't apply to me but gradually her prayers became effective in my life Not all at once, but things would happen. And then as things progressed, there were times when I would call her to pray for me. I'd face a situation or something bad, and I would call her to pray. There was one time I called her to pray with the other woman over a child custody problem.
2: I had to believe that it was the enemy coming against my spouse. For the first time, I took Bob as not the cause of it, and the enemy, the devil, who go back to Genesis came in and deceived Eve came in and it was destroying our marriage. And once I realized who the enemy was I could go after the enemy and I could start praying spiritual warfare and doing other things that the Lord started teaching me that he has. In 2 Timothy 2.22, flee the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Here's some instructions God gave me. Do not have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, we must be kind to everyone able to teach, not be resentful. Those who oppose us, which might be our spouses, we must gently instruct in hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. And here's where Bob, when he started with reading The Prodigal Son, That he will come to his senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken Bob or other people captive to do his will. Many people told Bob and I, and I was told all the time, that Bob had his own free will and that he did not have to come home. He had his own free will and he wasn't coming home. And when I went to the Lord and I said, what about his will? Because everybody's telling me, well, he's not coming home. He's got, he has his own choice. God told me, yes, but satan has taken him captive to do his will so i can go to teach him and share with him and speak to him through the power of the holy spirit to change his will
0: i might have had my free will but god had a million ways to change it paul
2: in the new testament killed christians paul was after was on the other side of the team And he went and was not on the the disciple side. He was not on Jesus' side. And he hated the new way and hated all those people. And when Paul got touched on the Damascus Road, Jesus said, Paul, Paul, why thou persecutest me? And I want you to say, your spouse may not have been as bad as Paul, who killed Christians, but Jesus Christ touched him and changed him to be a prayer warrior and to change the gentiles and touch the entire world to be created by the new church
0: i fought this thing real hard i knew what i should do i moved from south of here to northwest of here and then i moved to east of here i was finally living a hundred miles away i'd written an article for a denominational Big Time Magazine, they paid me for it even, on God's refinishing plan, about refinishing my used table, how that was kind of like divorce. I was going to refinish my life. No scripture in it, just a nice little theme. I was just the epitome, the poster boy of divorce adjustment. I was making more money that I never made in my life than I've ever made since. On the surface, things looked good. There came a day that I drove 100 miles down for the road from Fort Pierce, I went to her office window, knocked on the window, and I said, Charlene, I found out that we can get a marriage license without blood test. All we need is $37, no waiting period. Can you take your lunch hour? I'll make you a deal. I'll go get a marriage license if you'll quit praying for me.
2: That's a deal you just can't resist. And that was an offer that I couldn't ever believe he would ever speak. He was not in town. I had not expected him. I was just trying to get him.
0: relief from the torment that God he had He said, you under. can
2: keep it in your Bible, and you can just use it to know that someday maybe I'll be coming home. And now I knew God was speaking to him and convicting him.
0: I had gone from, I'm never coming home. What part don't you understand?
2: And you know how people always say they need a prayer warrior or they need a prayer partner. I want to tell you, when you have got praying for a marriage, you better learn how to pray by yourself because when you need to be able to pray, you don't have time to say, wait a minute i got to call my prayer partners to to pray for me now. And that's just exactly what I wish I could have done. But I was praying mightily. The Lord touched Bob. We went to lunch, and we went.
0: I took her to my girlfriend's favorite place.
2: Wasn't that sweet? And he told me that, too.
0: (laughs) And we sat there, and I looked across the table and saw her, and Charlene talked about God speaking to you. If God ever spoke to me, that was the day. He said, you've made the biggest mistake of your life. You're trying to find a wife. There's the wife I gave you. Well, boy, wise up. I'm like the prodigal son. When he came to his senses, and says, everybody's eating better than me. Why am I here? And that's what I said. So I said, Charlene, let's get married right now. And Charlene said, well, I had my wedding dress all cleaned and I had this all planned out, how we're going to get remarried. I was
2: going to have a celebration service that would just be praising the Lord and, and all the choir singing, hallelujah, praise the Lord, the prodigal had come home. But he said, you know what, I don't know how we're going to fix this. I live two, three hours away. But if you're willing to take me just as I am, I'm willing to start
0: working on a marriage. Is that the way the Lord takes us when we come to him, though, just as we are? Just
2: as I am. So I called my pastor. and She
0: wasn't quite this calm when it happened. though. (laughs)
2: Called my pastor and said, Bob is asked to remarry us, but he wants to do it now in your office. Can we come up? And so he said, sure, come on up. Now, this was the one that doubted that what I was doing was ever going to happen. But she
0: talked to him the night before the divorce and said, I don't feel right about this. He says, it's natural to help the jitters. Go ahead and get divorced in the morning.
2: But the Lord taught me unconditional love. He taught me so many scriptures of just loving him unconditionally. And I challenge you to love your spouse and your children unconditionally, not with a lot of, you know, I love you if you do this.
0: You know, we hear about tough love, but tough love is saying, if you don't do right, I'm going to do wrong. Unconditional love says, I love you regardless. Now, which way does the Lord love us?
2: That day, we decided to rebuild our home on the solid rock. It says in Matthew 7, verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, and I tell you, underline that and highlight it, because you have a choice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears the words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. I did not want our home to fall again in a great crash. I cannot share you all the scriptures that God has given uh, me through my stand. But I want to tell you that God does speak. And in John 10, it says, My sheep hear my voice. And I challenge you to believe that and to seek his face, that he will speak to every one of you, regardless of what your circumstances are. But the point we're saying tonight is we serve an awesome living God. In Psalm 145, God gave us a word back three years ago to proclaim And it says, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. Bob came home dirty, but the Lord cleaned him up one day at a time.
0: Not overnight.
2: Not overnight,
0: not in one year, not in two years, not in three years. Not in 10 years, honey. That's right. I need to tell you that we're not perfect. I wish I could say we never have moments of intense fellowship. As long as we're human, we're going to have strife. things come between us. Satan is not happy the ministry we do, and he brings every little wedge and he can find to try to disrupt it, to disrupt us. You see, if the devil can't defeat you, he'll defeat someone whose defeat will defeat you, if that makes sense. So he would like nothing better than to bring us down. So we are constantly on guard, and we appreciate your prayers. I know that many of you do pray for us often. Right. But we're not a perfect couple, but we are a forgiven couple. God's forgiven us, we've forgiven each other. And that's not such a big assignment. When spouses come home, there's a process, but God works them through it.
2: So basically what we're saying is believe in the power of your Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that he can... Start right now, regardless of where anybody might be, of whatever your circumstances might be. Some of you may have physical problems, some of you may have financial problems, some of you have marriage problems, some of you have all of that. And I'm saying to you, God can take every one of those circumstances and turn it around to good.
0: There was a night when, as my work as a funeral director, I was in a hospital at two thirty in the morning, and some of you are nurses, you can relate. I was sitting in the emergency room waiting for a nursing supervisor to come and get, bring paperwork to me. And a man walked in, and he's filling, they were filling out a chart for him. He had stomach pains. And he appeared to be, as I recall now, this much later, about in his 30s. He had stomach pain. He couldn't remember his address. He had to get out of his pocket. He was living in an apartment. The doctor, well, his wife was seeing their family doctor. They were getting divorced, so they'd have to find an ER doctor for him. He didn't have insurance because there wasn't much money. I finished my work and went outside and his car was out there. It was an older car and it had two bumper stickers on it. One was from a church locally that's well known. The other one was my child as an honor student at whatever school. And I thought, you know, if that guy had cancer and I'm standing there leaning against the wall and I knew the cure for cancer, I'd be all over that place. But he has a cancer called divorce that's killing his family. And I can't say anything. I'm embarrassed. I don't know what to do. So I just got in the car and drove away but that night God birthed in me he said why don't you write down what you would have told that man so we wrote I wrote the first book the next day prodigals do come home or started the next day and from that couple started calling us to see if we were for real they would locate things in the book they could identify us by call directory assistance and track us down and from there we started doing a newsletter to keep in touch because there were so many we couldn't write it to them individually God just opened one door after another It would take a 100 books to write down the blessings he's given us, big blessings, little blessings, things that he's done for us as a family. I think our greatest struggle has probably come in the area of my health. I couldn't always stand here tonight. In fact, there were times when I was in intensive care, and they said to Charlene, he's not going to make it. Get ready for him to die. There were two times I had strokes that left me paralyzed on the left side. I couldn't move anything on my left side at all, but I do now, because I had a praying wife. You see, she learned to pray because she had to pray for her marriage. If she had given up on her marriage to say, God, he's never going to change, and gone on to marry someone else, I would not have had a wife who knew how to fight the spiritual battle for my physical.
2: Back when Bob wrote his first book, and then he wrote his second book, and that was the beginning of our marriage ministry, um, we were then invited to go to Oklahoma and speak at a marriage conference, and that was the very first time he became ill. And from there on, we have had the enemy come against us with double force because when you start speaking out and proclaim what you're doing the enemy wants to zip your lips and my husband has always said you be the one to do the praying and that day when i realized that my husband's life was in in jeopardy i had to really seek the lord and say lord thy will be done If this is your will that he be taken, and if this is your plan, then God be, you know, I'll, I'll release him to you. But I want you to speak to me. And that's why I said to you a few moments ago, I hope you guys all be able to come to know and hear the voice of God and know the scriptures and be able to have him speak to you because the Lord speaks to me through scriptures. And when Bob was in his last battle, we just came from a conference from Rochester, New York, and he had a subdural hematoma flying in the the, uh, plane. Something happened in his brain and two or three days later, he uh, had a subdural hematoma. So he went through brain surgery. And then after he went through brain surgery a week later, he got sick at home, and I didn't realize what was happening, but he had had a stroke, was at the beginning of a stroke, actually had seizures at home, and I could tell you all the that excitement. Was number,
0: number six or number seven stroke?
2: I can tell you all the excitement we have had in the last five, six years, but I want to tell you that I can smile and I can say, we serve an awesome, mighty God that is with you, whether you have a child ill, whether you have financial problems, whether you have a husband dying, a father dying, a mother dying, whatever it is, He is with you wherever you are through whatever circumstances you have. But that night and that Saturday when I released him to God, the Bible opened up to John 11, 4. And this literally just leaped off the page as God spoke to me. It says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so God's son may be glorified through it. And that's why Bob and I will speak to the day that either one of us is taken home. And we continue to proclaim because God's spoken to us. And he said, I want you to proclaim that I can heal. I can heal bodies. I can heal marriages. I can heal your emotions. I can set you free from alcohol, drugs. I can deliver you. Jesus Christ can set us free. The truth will set us free and i just want to encourage you on that
0: four months before that last stroke and the brain surgery we had driven to oklahoma the doctors didn't want me to fly so we driven to oklahoma to a conference and coming back through tennessee across i-24 just to give you an example how god is awesome and moves so many ways we saw a billboard that said for rent and something about it attracted us so that night in the motel we called the company who rented it and we leased a billboard in tennessee 60 miles 70 miles from nashville That says, God Heals Hurting Marriages, a picture of a family on it. And we leased it for a year, and there were supposed to be 12 million cars passing that direction. And for us, this was a big investment for a year. (laughs) So after the year, we let it go. A few months ago, we had a woman call, and she said, I saw your billboard along the highway.
2: And I said to Bob, you know what? I bet that billboard is still there.
0: I said, no, they paint them over white. No way, Bob
2: said. I said, Bob, do you remember? I'll never forget. God told me as clearly as a bell, we're to proclaim God's power, that God heals marriages.
0: Three weeks ago, I saw the billboard with bone eyes. It's still there. There's some trees growing up around it. It's still there. Do you know
2: what? It's not our message. It was God's message. It was God's message to say, God heals hurting marriages.
0: God heals hurting bodies. We had twin grandbabies coming. They arrived one week before our conference in Oklahoma this year. The Lord had told me it was okay to go. The doctors say, one says, you should be okay flying. The other one says, we won't know until you try it. So Charlene faced having a husband who could end up in ICU in (laughs) Oklahoma and two grandbabies in neonatal ICU down here. And she said, I won't be out there to see you. Go ahead and go. She wouldn't leave the grandbabies. So I had a dilemma. So the bottom line, I got in the car and drove to Oklahoma. This
2: is the Steinkamp testimony. The testimony is believe that with God nothing is impossible. Believe in your spouse. Believe in your children. Believe for your mother and dad and your grandparents to come to know the Lord. You are the vital part. You are the vital instrument that God has chosen to stand and be the prayer warrior for your families. And I believe with all my heart that truly we are not accepting the call that God has given us. God has called us when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior to go tell and to share and to pray. You know, I love to teach on prayer. And if you would just read the Gospels and the New Testament and just go on to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then go to Ephesians, there are prayers in Ephesians that you can pray with your spouse's name in it. Galatians 5, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Believe that he can set your spouses free. Believe he can set your family free from the bondages of sin that they're living in now. It doesn't matter if they don't go to church and they don't believe in this church stuff. You start praying for their names. Pray Ephesians 1, 17 through 20. Pray Ephesians 3, 16 through 20 and it says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine According to his power that is at work within us. I want to tell you my husband is great in the sight of the Lord I'm going
0: to embarrass you. Let me just butt right in. Look at her Bible. It's marked up. It has names and dates and let me tell you, it moves a guy to look down here and see a date where she had claimed a scripture for me when I'm out living with someone else. And there's a scripture that spoke specifically about how great I was or what God was going to do for me. I had a wife who was praying that and who was claiming it.
2: When God gave me the scripture of how is your spouse or how do you see your children, how do you see my child? when? I've been praying for our children to get closer to the Lord after they've got become adults. I asked the Lord, how do you see my son? How do you see my husband? How do you see them? And and I asked the Lord to give me a scripture. Bob was living unfaithfully at that moment. And when God gave me the scripture, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. That sort of blew my mind because I thought, Lord, you have a great imagination. And I must tell you, you know, that's really good. And I say, how do I do that? How can I believe for something? that looks so preposterous. It's impossible in the world's eyes. And the scripture right across from it, God is so faithful, he teaches me elementary and he's simple with me. Luke one hundred forty five. Luke 1.15 was, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Luke one hundred forty five says, blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. I must say that you all, all of you have a choice. You can believe you're saved or you can believe you're not saved. You can believe you're going to die and get to heaven or you're going to believe you're going to hell. But you have a choice every day whether you believe your Lord or not. And when God tells you something, just like God told Noah to build an ark, like he told Abraham to go to Canaan, everybody has a choice. I had a choice to believe that God was going to heal my marriage, and I chose to believe what he said would be done, and he does it. In that same context, I believe when Bob was fighting for his life, I had a huge decision because I had medicine facing me, and I had a structure and ICU facing me, and I had death facing me, and I had to say, okay, God, now what? And I say that to say this. In a church, you can't even use the percentage anymore, maybe 50% that have marriage problems Or are separated, or having wearing a mask on their face and saying, "Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? (laughs) Oh, that's great." And suddenly, which happened to us so recently, to somebody we have known for so many years, he walked off and left his family. Their marriage is pronounced dead, and I dare say that there's many, many people in this room that consider the world standards would say to you that your marriage is dead and I challenge you all tonight to say what does God say what does God say is your marriage dead I dare say it's not Jesus Christ said to Lazarus think of the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus you know Jesus loved Lazarus so much That he loved him, that he wanted God to get the glory of what he was going to do. And he delayed healing him or touching his body while he was still alive. And I dare say that God loved me so much, and he loved so many, many other people. He said, Charlene, if you will just let me use you, if you will just surrender your life, I can tell you all this time I went to the altar the day I went and Bob and I got remarried in my pastor's office, I never, never thought we would write. I never thought we would be on the Internet. I never thought we would have taught. I never thought we would have a ministry. That was not on my mind. Oh, goody, now I get to tell my story. That was not it. it was Now we got to rebuild our marriage. And when Let
0: me ask you a question that I never asked you. Had you not answered God's call that night when you heard Ann Downing speak? And you'd gone on, I'd married someone else, and you'd married someone else. Would you have recalled that night?
2: I'm sure I would have. Because I know that I know that night God
0: was speaking to me. This isn't a setup. Honestly, (laughs) I've never asked her that before. But I imagine there are some of you sitting right here in our hearing now who this could be that night that God's saying to you, Hey, you've heard another couple who had worked for, this is what I want to do for you. And I pray that you won't look back and say, I remember that night when I heard those people come through and talk about marriage.
2: But we have been fortunate enough with people that we've gotten to know in the past several years where the people have written us and i guess i did our devotional this morning about it where that i get these beautiful letters and says dear charlene and bob you are so great we love your ministry but it's but... not for me and thank you for all that you've done but i got to go on with my life i can't wait any longer and then i die inside and i'd say oh lord where does that spouse go where is yeah, the... see
0: this isn't about bringing your spouse home we could that would be a neat little side benefit it'd be comfortable for you it'd be perfect It'd be like the Bible says it should be this is about eternal destiny this is about someone going to hell there's no one to pray for that person possibly that's right
2: I believe God's knocking on your heart's door to say stand in the gap you know stand in the gap for your family stand in the gap for your loved ones
0: let me just jump in for a minute she said her devotional this morning The Lord woke me up at 3.30 this morning, and I'd been up about, what, an hour? Mm -hmm. And she got up. I normally get up at 5 and start writing. She's up at at 4 o'clock. We're both on two different computers writing. Mm -hmm. And with her permission, I want to share what the Lord gave me. May I still do that?
2: Don't ask twice.
0: (laughs) I'll read the first sentence, and then you you say if it's okay. It's called These Are the Feet. I woke this morning with the desire to tell you what happened in our bedroom last night. May I go ahead? Go ahead. You sit down and be blessed by it, okay? When I break down, you can come up and finish it. Get rested. No, I thought, this is too personal to share. When I checked our overnight email, the first message was from a stender who related her circumstances. The stender had concluded her message with, I need a transfusion of hope. The Lord told me, go ahead, give your friends who are praying for restored marriage a transfusion of hope. Tell them what it's like in the bedroom a dozen years after the prodigal comes home. Last night, Charlene and I were both almost asleep, and this actually was last night. My wife mumbled that she had forgotten to put her cream on her feet. That's part of her nighttime routine. I asked if she wanted me to do it for her. This is something normally that I don't do, and she said yes. (laughs) In the darkness of our bedroom, I knelt down at the end of the bed and found my wife's feet and began to rub them. The Lord used those feet of a sleeping wife to speak to me. These are the feet who will work about 10 hours tomorrow because a disabled husband cannot. These are the feet that carried my wife to the hospital three times when God gave us children. These are the feet that now walk the floor at night with our premature grandchildren, Kyle and Kayla, praying for them with almost every step while everyone else sleeps. These are the feet that will stand behind a podium tomorrow night and teach people locally and around the world and the internet that God heals hurting families. These are the feet that stand behind our first granddaughter's swing set, praying with each push, while Allison giggles for more, ma, more, more. These are the feet that head for the Bible each time there's a problem. These are the feet that have stood beside the bed of friends as they took their last breath on their way to life eternal with the Lord. These are the feet that carried my wife to an altar of prayer each Sunday morning to pray for a prodigal husband whose feet were out trampling around in the pig pens of life. These are the feet that I caused to walk into a divorce court. These are the feet that would topple over when I would shove my wife. These are the feet that had to come home time and time again to find that I had moved out time and time again. These are the feet who carried my wife to her office window when this prodigal came to his senses and God told me to remarry my covenant wife. These are the feet that went often into a bathroom that became a prayer closet during those rough days of family restoration. These are the feet of a woman who both preaches and practices forgiveness these are the feet that I heard often coming down the tiled hallway of a rehab hospital on two different occasions when I had strokes and was paralyzed. These are the feet that carried my wife to the prayer altar when I was sick and expected to die. These are feet that do not stumble, always looking to the Lord alone for His support. These are the feet that are following me as our family spiritual leader. These are the feet of one who practices as well as preaches forgiveness and unconditional love. Bob, the Lord reminded me those two feet you're rubbing in the darkness are precious to me. I loved you and your wife so much that I brought you home to nurture the woman who stands on them. If you let her down, you're letting me down. Son, don't ever do that. Sleep tight, honey. The Lord and I love you very much.
2: This world is headed to hell with 50% of the world going through divorce and they've given up on marriages. And if there's anything that I could say and that I can do for the rest of my life, is to serve my lord and my god to cry out from any rooftop to say trust god then that's what we're going to do and i will do the rest of my life whether my husband is here beside me or whether i'm here alone the rest of my life because of one of us dying we've made a commitment you know what we've allowed marriage to be too easy it's been too disposable I know that my God, it says, that they will know that I am the Lord, that when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslaved them, they will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will wild animals devour them. They will know that I, the Lord, their God, am with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture. Our people and I am your God declares the Sovereign Lord that's Ezekiel 34 there are so many scriptures I want to share tonight but all I can say to you people is that it says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will we hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their lands now my eyes will be open And my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. We have a choice, people. Do we want to humble ourselves? And do we want to pray for our prodigals to come home? Or would we rather go on to another relationship, another marriage, and then have that fail in years to come? We have a choice. Our churches have a choice. Our pastors have a choice. So I'm praying that we will now remember the song of Lord, I'm coming home. I've wandered far away from God, now I'm coming home. The path of sin is too long, I've trod, Lord, I'm coming home. I've wasted many precious years, now I'm coming home. I now repent with bitter tears, Lord, I'm coming home. I'm tired of sin and straying, Lord, now I'm coming home. I'll trust thy love, believe thy word, Lord, I'm coming home. My soul is sick, my heart is sore, Now I'm coming home. My strength renew, my hope restore. Lord, I'm coming home. Coming home, coming home. Never more to roam. Open wide thy arms of love, Lord. I'm coming home. I pray that this is the prayer that our prodigals are going to cry out to their Lord. but I pray that we're there to hear it.
0: I'm going to ask Charlene to close in prayer. Before she does, I want to pray for prodigal spouses. You know, we don't know where the reporter tonight will end up, who might hear it. Father, I pray for that one, that man, that woman who's right where I was. You're divorced, trying so hard to make it all work out. I'm going to make it work because the world says it's going to work. Father, touch that one. Give them comfort. Let them know that they have a spouse who loves them, that you ordain marriage and you don't want it to fall apart, that they can turn to you, God, that you have an answer. Father, I pray for that one who hurts so much because they're so confused they have a spouse who is so bitter and so angry. God, may you tonight start to work in that situation. Touch hearts, God, for the sake of children, for the sake of brothers and sisters and parents and future generations. Lord, for the sake of friends at work and for the sake of friends at church. Father, we pray to keep people out of hell. Not that divorce will send them to hell, but the living that way often does. God, I just pray for that one who hurts so much right now. God, may you touch him. May you anoint him.
2: Lord, I pray for that one who is ready to give up or possibly has given up on their marriage. I pray that you will touch them and that you will give them the hope and encouragement that this message is for them, for their marriage, for their family, for their spouse, for their children, and that you can rebuild, restore, and remake their marriage to be all that you want it to be. Lord, I pray that the scriptures will come alive. I pray you will open their spiritual eyes and ears to hear the truth. I pray that you will speak to them so loud and clear that you will speak to them in scriptures that they will say, you are real. You do speak. Lord, I pray that you will minister to them like you've ministered me for so many, many years. Lord, I pray that they will never believe and they will see the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the awesomeness of their God, and they will be able to know that you can rebuild and bring what looks to be dead alive again. Lord, I pray that you will touch these families and rebuild them and restore them. I pray that our marriages are all going to be, that we will have a revival in the world of restoration of our marriages, and that our marriages will come alive, and we will have divorce to be not an epidemic, that we will have our marriages to be solid, and that they will be all based on our men and our women serving their Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll give you the praise and the glory for all that you're going to do, in Jesus' name we pray,
1: amen. I have been so blessed to hear my darling husband's voice as we talked about our passion of marriage restoration. Bob and I love to share our testimony together, oh how I miss him, but he is walking on the streets of gold with his Lord Jesus and is totally healed. Today you heard Bob and I share from our hearts the burden that we both had then and our family still have today, which is to proclaim that God heals hurting and dead marriages.